Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is episode 97. My name's Luke Navarro. And I'm Mike Perna. Uh, you sound unsure of yourself. I'm not unsure of myself. I'm very sure of myself. What I'm unsure of is the fact that it's the first day of spring, and there's snow falling outside. Again. I. You know what? I think it's safe to say the world has gone topsy-turvy. <laughs> I, I, you know, and... I don't know why it's gone topsy-turvy. This is a topic for another show that would be boring to listen to. Yeah, needless... The short version is is that we were finally getting rid of the snow from Snowpocalypse, whatever the heck number it was. And I was seeing grass again. I was actually, like, part of a world that had multiple colors. And then it started snowing again. And it's all white again. And then in our side of the country... We have, like, literally, I am, my grass is dying, because there is so little water, <laughs> so... Well, I, w- I will tell you this, like, I was going full-on rage, in a joking sort of manner, of course, but I was about ready to just drive down to where Marty Connell lives from Rolling Dice and Taking Names, because I go on Twitter, I said, happy first day of spring, we're having snow, and uh, he goes, it's 70 degrees and the sky's blue here, I wanted to drive down and just punch him square in the face. I, yeah, even when when even people on my own coast are against me, <laughs> it's one thing when I have to deal with you California boys telling me how beautiful it is out there. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's fairly clear that this year Mother Nature wants you to game more. Clearly, I'm being locked inside of my apartment for long stretches of time. So, uh, you know, speaking of gaming more, I actually. I've done a little bit of gaming. Uh, I think mostly games that we've talked about, I'm, but I can't remember. We've done a lot of these episodes now, 97. It's sort of hard to remember. At this point, we're, we're going to do some repeats because right. we're human and don't have a constant flow of new games. Unless, you know, game companies, game companies, if you're listening, will totally accept a influx of new games to talk about them. But... Speaking of a constant flow of new games, I did just the other day place... A fairly large order that will be uh, arriving sometime next week, I think. Did you order Armada? I did. I figured you would. It uh, It is out. Well, it is coming out. It has a release date of March 25th. And uh, let's see, what is it? It was 20th right now as we're recording. So uh, I expect to get it, you know, 27, 28, somewhere in there. And uh, hopefully be able to find a community of people to play with, uh, as is extremely important. But the rules did just come out today as well. Okay. So you can go and download the rules and pick those up. So hopefully on the next episode, we'll be able to talk about Star Wars Armada. I, um, have, a, I have a funny feeling that if you show up to game day and just say, gaze upon the wonder that is Armada. Because <laughs> like I'm not a miniatures gamer in the least, but if you rolled up with all those cool ships and said we can have huge epic space battles, I, I would I would drop whatever game I was playing to check that out. Right. So uh, that's coming and some other games as well. But let's uh, I'll go through quickly and we can figure out whether we've talked about them. I'm pretty sure we've talked about Sushi Go recently. Yes. Okay. Pretty sure we've talked about Istanbul recently. Possibly. Okay. Yes. So, yes, we did. We did. All right. And Dixit. Dixit, we're always talking about Dixit, because it's like the go-to easy-level party game. Yeah, so, uh, and you know how I feel about party games. And I know how you feel about Dixit in general. (laughs) Though, I actually really enjoy Dixit right now. Um, I was about to say, wait a minute, (laughs) am I going to have to dig through the archives? Because I remember distinctly hearing that you do not like Dixit, so what is it about right now that you like Okay, so here's the thing about Dixit. Dixit is one of the most player-dependent games out there. I would agree 100%. I I think that it probably has a very similar effect to one of your favorite games. Once Upon a Time. Exactly. Where you can play it and it's kind of lame. Because people are just trying to get some points and win the game and play. Or you can play it with a group of people who want to be fill-in-the-blank. Sometimes they want to be artistic. Sometimes I think with Dixit, uh, people want to be 
psychological. Yeah. Um, and, and that's fine by me. You know, as long as uh, you're playing with the right people, uh, it is a good game. And there are so many expansions now that there weren't last time we talked about the game um, that uh, do add, I think, to the experience. Now, they don't change the game any. The game plays the same. No, because they're, um, they're just usually added cards. Right, and it is really necessary. Uh, I do find that with the base set or with any of the sets, you can play through them and get to the point where they do grow stale. You can only play Dixit so many times in a row before you start going, oh, that probably's that card. Right, and you actually even start seeing, like, connections between cards. Yeah. Like, you think, oh, they put these four cards in here because they do have some similarities, and, and all of that, and that's fine, because you can just pick up the expansions, shuffle them into a, one big deck, and you're good to go. Um, and so I think that uh, greatly does improve the experience uh, a little bit as well. So, I haven't done any profound gaming. However, I did get to do one thing we've talked about a couple of times, but it just has never happened until this past week. And what would that be? Playing Dice Masters via, well, we use Skype, but, you know, Skype or... Did you finally hook up with our resident German, or... No, uh, different guy, different guy, different guy asked me to play, and I was like, yeah, cool, let's play. By the way, folks, if you want me to play games with you, don't ask me on Facebook, because I am never on Facebook. Luke is never on Facebook. Here's, here's the general guideline for all things GSP. Luke, never. Never. <laughs> Luke is... Just just don't. There's a reason we put his email on the site. Right. If you send Go me an with email, that. I'll see it. <laughs> Go with that. Me, everything. Right. I kind of I'm on Twitter at least once a day. Sort of. Kind of. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so got to play. And you know what? It actually went surprisingly well. Um, the fact of the matter is you can't see the cards. You can't even really see the dice faces. I was playing on a laptop uh, just because the table my computer at, is my desktop is at, is not in a place where there's enough tabletop space to put everything. And so it was a relatively small screen. So it could be that if you had a larger screen, you might be able to see a little bit more. Um, But because there are so few cards in play with uh, Dice Masters, you know, at the most you're going to have maybe six or eight cards in play. Um, Mostly you're using dice, uh, and the dice are relatively repetitive. You do sometimes have to ask, okay, what's the stats on this die, or what's that, or whatever. But, um, and also because it is a relatively small set of dice, uh, I'm talking in terms of the whole set, um, it's not like you're looking at 15,000 different magic cards, you know? Right. Uh, there's a reasonable chance that you have those cards and you can just look at them, reference them on your own if you need to. Um, One thing I would definitely do next time is set up an external webcam. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I was using the the webcam on the laptop itself, you know, which meant to basically to uh, uh, have the other guy see what was going on. I had to have the laptop tilted down at an angle such that I was looking at it kind of upside down and backwards. And so, yeah, I would grab my external webcam and try it last that way. But the bottom line is it was still a lot of fun. We got a couple of good games in. Uh, very much didn't feel like the experience was hindered, you know, and I got to play with somebody I wouldn't normally get to play with. So, all in all, that's a win. You know, last time we were talking about uh, Tabletop Simulator. Yeah. So, a game like Dice Masters would be really hard to do in Tabletop Simulator. So, you know, this kind of less technical, uh, a little bit more kludgy way does work. I will argue that anything that each player has their own thing and there's right. not a shared pool can be done that way. Like, I think, especially because I deal so much with the LCGs, Netrunner, Doomtown, right. because of the fact that you're pulling from your cards, I, I don't see how that could not go on Skype or through something like that because it just, you don't physically have to interact with the other cards. 
So I, I think there's a lot of potential there for, for especially two-player games where it just becomes very simple that you're not sharing cards. You're not. Yeah, it would totally with... have to be a two-player game. Now, the tricky bit is there is a mechanic in Dice Masters where you can capture or freeze someone's die. And so you do have to be aware of those things. You have to... Uh, but it's not the, it's not something that's so complex that you can't just talk through it. And the thing is, is you're not playing with strangers, right? You know, just the nature of the thing. It's not a pickup game. Uh, I wouldn't. I would not want to do a pickup game like this. Like if there was some service out there, you know, where you could log in and be like, "Hey, I want to Skype uh, Machi Koro." Okay. Um, no, that wouldn't be fun. I wouldn't. I don't want to do that. Also, because I'm sort of antisocial, but still, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it definitely requires a certain degree of relationship to be able to to do it well. I think. Yeah, especially because when you're dealing with that, you're adding layers of stuff on. Right. Anytime you add layers of stuff on, you add layers of potential for things to go horribly, horribly wrong. And if you're not going with somebody who, like, even if you don't know them well, at least if you have that thing of, hey, we're going to do this online, it should be kind of fun, right. all right, let's do that. And that's that's all I mean. It's not like you have to be best buds or anything. Right. But you, you have to be aware of the fact that, hey, we're trying something that's a little bit more difficult. You know, so other little things, like, you have to both know how to play the game. Yeah. Like, w- without a question. You know, you have to be able to... Uh, well, and I, I imagine with tabletop simulators, probably going to be the same way. You know, this is not a place to instruct. It's very difficult, but uh, it works. So that's great. And I really like Dice Master. So if anybody wants to play with me, send me an email. Send email, <laughs> or text me if you have my phone number. And if you don't have my phone number, no, you can't have. No, it. you can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Luke, I actually was at, I just got home from playing games with some friends of mine. Ooh, game night in the snow. Yes, uh, a friend of mine... Did we play say, Dead of Winter? Ha! 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 One, if I had Dead of Winter, there would not be a time where I'm not playing Dead of Winter. And two, this is not the Dead of Winter crowd. This event happens because my buddy is huge about St. Patrick's Day. It's in his blood. It is just a force of nature in his existence. So they just, it's an an excuse to have a giant party, which for many people is what St. Patrick's Day is. We are aware of the fact that St. Patrick's Day was not today. Right. It was a couple days ago. But it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If we just take the whole week. Yeah, really. Forget Cinco de Mayo. We just like the Mayo. The Mayo. <laughs> just all the Mayo. All right. Uh, but so we're playing. We're playing games. But this is definitely the crowd of. Hey, let's play random Parker Brothers game. And I wish I was kidding because to the right of me, a game of Scrabble was happening. To the left of me, I can a accept game of, Scrabble. A game of Clue was happening. I can also accept Clue. So. It wasn't. It wasn't the deep Uber. Like people were complaining because it took us something like an hour to play a game, and I'm like, no, uh, this is not even that hard a game. This is not even that complex a game. You've clearly never played Scrabble with me, because I sit there and stare at those letters for like a long time. For a day and a half. Yeah. Also, I can't spell, so that helps. Well, the game that the game that I convinced people to play mostly because I really wanted to, was a game that I've, <laughs> I've, I've, men- I've mentioned it before, and I think we even talked a little bit in depth about it. It was a long time ago that we mentioned it. Uh, it was a game called Cutthroat Caverns. I do not remember, so re-mention. I will, I will, I will definitely do so. Uh, Cutthroat Caverns, the core of it, I, I love this because every character you get gives a brief little description. Now, it doesn't really matter anything, uh, one character is literally no different from any other, but they give like a brief description, like uh, he loves like mechanical things and adventure and doesn't trust anyone. Every one of these descriptions ends with and doesn't trust anyone. <laughs> well, you know, if you frequent a place called 
the cutthroat caverns. caverns. I mean, yeah. well, the whole idea about this is that you are an adventuring party, but you're not a good uh, like band yes. together adventuring party. <laughs> you're the I'm doing this for gold and glory adventuring party. So, in a way, it's a cooperative game. It is definitely a semi co-op game because yes, if someone dies. It's bad, because then you have to keep going through the dungeon down a man. However, you want to be the person that gets the most glory, and you do that by getting the kill shot. So sometimes, if you think somebody else is getting the kill shot, you say no, 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 no. And you trip them. Or you (laughs) make them miss. So (laughs) I'm feeling the munchkin of cooperative games. It kind of is... Okay. It doesn't get as, as ridiculously complex as Munchkin. After a while, Munchkin just becomes draw a card, alright, add numbers. Okay. It, it doesn't get to that. It Literally, you have a, a handful of cards that com- either a, attack cards that are semi-straightforward. They're basically... I'm going to hit for 40 damage, or critical hit, I'm going to hit for 100 damage, or 10, or 20, or whatever. And they're pretty much straightforward. You have some kind of attack cards that usually end up saying, I'm not going to hit this turn, but next turn I hit for for double damage. Or, I'm going to draw a bunch of cards and just lay them all out at the same time. Or, there's, there's like, special effects. Okay. Then there are cards that are solely designed to screw with the other players (laughs) these are great these are like oh you missed or oh uh that action didn't happen or suddenly they're one of my favorites is human shield and human shield is basically oh you are so wonderful you're taking all the damage for me that was so nice of you (laughs) and so you're you're Combining the strategy of trying to maneuver how much damage to do to somebody so that you are the one that gets the last hit. Now, sometimes this involves just throwing down damage. Sometimes this involves cards like uh, one of my personal favorites is Poke with a Stick, which basically says, I'm literally going to hit you, but it will do nothing. (laughs) And it's all in positioning yourself to be the last person to hit. Fantastic game. Really great when when everyone starts getting into the spirit of it and just messing with everyone. Great, great game. While still being fairly simple to pick up. Cool. However, there's... I only have the base game. I've never gotten into the expansions of this game, though there are at least... I think there's four or five. I haven't bought a single one of them. This, This gentleman who brought his copy had what would be considered a big box version of Cutthroat Caverns, which had four expansions in it. For those who don't know, game companies often, after their games have been out for many years and have many expansions, do a version that includes the first X number of expansions. On on the shelf behind me, I have the Dominion big box, which has two different expansions in it. So. Right. Great for people who are coming to the game, and also nice for people who are anal and like everything in a nice in one single box. <laughs> yeah. So this this game changed completely. Now, granted, we kind of dialed back on the expansions because we had two people that had never played before. So you never want to bust out the super complex expansion stuff when you've never even played the base game, but. Being the guy that I am, of course, I just dive into this box and start sifting through all the bits and the cards and the craziness. I'm going to tell you that this this game changes completely. There are whole different aspects to this game that get added on when you buy these expansions. This isn't just like Dixit. Dixit is straight up, here are more cards to do the same thing you've already done. Completely the same mechanics. Right. This is... Hey, now you've got events that happen, and the events do random things, and and you you can change it so instead of your guys being just generic face guys who don't have any differences, now you build them up turn by turn. I'm like, what is going on here? And it takes this really simple game and adds so many layers to it and makes it a completely different game. 
And I realized that there are a lot of games that have this level of expansion. Now, now granted, you have the LCGs that I've come to love that come out with an expansion every yeah, month. Yeah, that's not the same. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about changing the game completely. Yeah, I think about it in terms of... There's a lot of the big, classic, super well-known games that fit this category. Uh, Catan, Carsicone, uh, even Ticket to Ride, um, Pandemic. Uh, a lot of game, these games have expansions that radically change the game experience. Well, let, and, before we get too deep in it, let's let's actually break down some of these. Now, obviously, we're not going to do fully expansive because sure. some of these games... I mean, Carcassonne alone has, like, 15 expansions. Some of which come in a tiny little box. The tiny super uber... <laughs> with, with, like, three tiles in them. It's hilarious. But So we're not going to go, like, a spot-by-spot, spot, you know, rendition of these things. Because there are plenty of, like, YouTubers and other game reviewers who will do that, especially for their favorite games. But let's, let's just hit the big ones that you mentioned. You mentioned Catan. You mentioned Carcassonne and Ticket to Ride. And, and even Pandemic. Let's hit those four. Let's just talk about some of the ones that really change it. Like, not just add... Because, like, I'll tell you right now that I think that the five to six player expansion is awesome for Catan. But that's not what I'm talking about. Because, okay. really, that's just more people playing the same game. Well, and in the same way, the 1910 expansion for Ticket to Ride is practically mandatory, but doesn't actually change much. Right. What I'm talking about is, let's let's do the granddaddy of all. Let's talk about Catan. Because I haven't, there are some expansions that have come out that I've never even played yet. Because they're, they're, That's because they come out like every three weeks, it seems they, like. They, a bunch of them have come out. Um, but the last one that I played that really changed everything was Cities and Knights. Okay. Cities and Knights, because most of Catan is blocking. If you really break it down, it's maneuvering yourself to stop other people from building roads and settlements in the place you want to be. You want to get in their face, block them off so that they their whole progress is slowed or stopped. Like, that's the strategy. Cities of Cities Knights starts building, like, you literally can, like, raid and, like, destroy cities and take them over. It completely changes the dynamic. It's a completely different game. It's a, a, a you really, it, it's not even the same. I don't have a point of comparison because it suddenly becomes nothing like the original game. I can also talk about Pandemic because Pandemic, one of the biggest changes in that one, uh, obviously the most, some of the most recent expansions say, oh, by the way, you don't need cards anymore. At least not the way you do in the in the base game. You can do in the lab, which basically gives you a whole new way to cure diseases. Which takes a core component of playing that game and says, yeah, you don't need to do that anymore. We got something different. Like, that's what Pandemic is, is getting the cards and getting them in the right place and getting them in the right hands. In the lab says, no, you don't. And that doesn't even talk about one of the other expansions that brings in a bioterrorist whose sole goal is to make sure you lose. It brings in a traitor mechanic. And then Carcassonne, I could, again, I can go on for days. My yeah, favorite, my Carcassonne is there's, there's a lot of Carcassonne. I think my favorite one for the ridiculousness of it all is the one that adds a dragon to Carcassonne. I've never played it. I can't talk anything about it, but it comes with a dragon. That's how ridiculous these expansions get. So, have you ever had any experiences with these, Luke, these, these completely game-changing... Yeah, you know, and I, I think about it in terms of... I, get, the, I think the reason why these big, classic games tend to get this treatment is because we love them, we don't want to get rid of them, but we've played them 200 times. Right. You know, you think about uh, the maps for Ticket to Ride. They Do they change the game? Not in the sense that maybe, you know, a traitor mechanic changes the game. But they do 
significantly change it. Like, I, I think the... Uh, I'm trying to remember which one it is. I think it's another, the, the Netherlands one. But you now are... You have uh, tolls, and other people have to pay you to go on your lines, and there's money involved. And there was is, never money involved before. Is that, is that the one that involves stations, too? There are, there are some that, that involve stations. Um, you know, there are others that have uh, tunnels and things like that. But, you know, the basic idea is this: that that difference creates interest. And, you know, there have actually been studies about this uh, where the idea is that if you'll do something, the same thing, in a different way, it, your brain lights up like it's brand new. Uh, and some, some the the sort of the uh, the cliche, obvious answer to this is they'll uh, recommend, and psychologists will actually recommend this. People who've undergone ba- brain trauma, they will uh, have people recommend this to them that you drive to your work or to your school or to your grocery store, someplace a, you go a on a regular basis. Way. And on different path, right? And that actually has a different effect on your brain. And I, I so I think that there's some legitimate, like, you know, solid science and psychology about why game developers do this. You know, because you could just say, well, why don't you just create a different game that's similar? But why does it have to have the same brand? Well, I think that that there's you already mentioned it. I have this game. I love this game. I don't want to get rid of this game. Right. So, so it, the, it it has the the benefit of having that thing that you love, even if you're completely changing it. You still have that name, that title, that thing from the original feeling, that thing that you love. Right. And so it has that magical mixture of the something that you're really comfortable with, and yet still something that dazzles your brain like a brand new game. And uh, I think there's something actually fairly profound about this idea, but we'll probably talk about that later on when we talk about the profound stuff. Right. (laughs) um, But, uh, you know, I think that there are some games where they try to do this a little too much. Uh, they, They push a little too far. And so I think a game's like Seven Wonders. Uh, I think of games like uh, some of the expansions to things like uh, Arkham Horror and, or, oh my goodness, Battlestar Galactica. The expansions on Battlestar Galactica are befuddling. And, you know, the difference there is those expansions are for people who master the game. And so the expansions are there to add more complexity, more difficulty. And you know, the, some of the expansions that you talked about, yes, do they add more? They do add more complexity and more difficulty, but but really not a lot. No, it's usually one or two little things that make a that have a profound impact. Right. See, what's really interesting to me is that you mentioned some of these games. And at the same point, I, I, I haven't played a bunch of them. I, I said last episode I've never played Battlestar Galactica. I hope to fix that because I've heard nothing but good things about it, but I've never played it. Uh, one thing that I thought, as a guy who's been outside of this and who's never played, I always thought the whole airlock thing was built into the beginning. But I've later heard that the whole idea of blowing somebody out the airlock is something that came in with the Pegasus expansion. So here I am thinking that this is so pivotal and so huge in the game and it was added on in an expansion. At at the same point, you know, Seven Wonders just released uh, Babel. I hadn't heard anybody talk about Seven Wonders in a long time, yet people were lining up to get in on Babel. And heck, I think we, we'd be amiss not talking about Dominion here. Because not only does Dominion have a mm. boatload of expansions, holy cow, does it have a bunch of them! But they they 
announced a long time ago, this is the last one. This is the last Dominion box. There's not going to be any more Dominion after this. Oh, hey, guys, by the way, we have another Dominion. <laughs> Liars. And people are going nuts about the fact that there's another Dominion coming out. Well, I guess this is kind of splitting hairs. But I see, I guess I'm trying to figure out what I see because I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> But for me, uh, expansions for things like Dominion or Small World or Smash Up, to me, that always feels like more of the same. Different, fun, but similar. See, I, I, and, can, I can buy that, especially when you're talking about Smash Up. Right, where it's often just like a new group. It's four new factions every time. Right. And I... In a way, I like it. I bought Awesome Level 9000 because I needed my Steampunks. But when it comes to buying... Like, I have a buddy who has bought all of them. Has bought bought the, the big geeky box, which is basically one faction and a giant box to hold all your other cards. I, I know people who have filled the big geeky box. Right. And for me, I... When it comes to games like that, I find myself falling into the, I could buy a whole other game with the money that you've spent. I can buy two whole other games with the money you've spent on expansions that only slightly tweak this game that you have. <laughs> right. Well, and so I, but I, I'm going to argue they're completely different worlds. You know, uh, there are the expansions that change the game mechanics. Okay. And you say, well, what about Dominion? There are cards in there that change the game mechanics, do new things. It's still a deck-building game. Um, it's The me- base mechanics of the game are still the same. And you go say, okay, well, in Catan, you're just putting down little roads and getting sheep and trading stuff. And Well, yeah, but being able to attack someone, that's a new mechanic. That's, that is a new ball game. Okay. Now, that being said, I just said, I just bought the core set for Armada. Okay? I've already talked it over with my nephew and with some friends. Like, I'm going to play the Rebels. He's going to play Imperials. And guess what? We're going to buy all the stuff. I'll, I'll tell you what. <laughs> a bunch of people that are at Gamma Trade Show right or this past weekend, they, already in a, they haven't even released Armada yet. And they are already talking about Wave 1 of the expansion. Well, yeah. Like, I actually almost made a mistake. And folks, this is completely not on topic, but (laughs) it is a PSA for those of you who listen to our show and follow our advice. Okay? I almost bought the first Wave from Cool Stuff with my core set. That would have been really, really bad because I wouldn't have gotten the core set until the first wave showed up. Right. So, if you're buying <laughs> things, a pre-order from cool stuff, from and anywhere, you're not paying really. shipping, you're getting the free shipping, the $100 free shipping, you will have to wait until it all shows up and then they will ship it to you, which will mean you're probably going to wait three months before you're your, your beautiful little tiny ships show up. So I, don't do that. I, I, I almost did that, but I didn't. So I, I feel like, you know, in light of this, we should have that star up over your head. Yeah, the, the more, more you know. You know. <laughs> da, 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 da. Shipping and you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but are those ships going to change the game? No, they're not. They're just going to give more options for the base play. Now, could there be something in the future where they release something and it does change the game? Uh, probably not, just because based on Fantasy Flight's uh, past history with X-Wing and all of the rest of them, right. probably not. But there could be. But this is just more of the same. And there's nothing wrong with more of the same. But it's not what we're talking about. That's, that's true. There's something to be said about that. And 
I don't know. For me, there's always that argument in the back of my head that I've already mentioned. Even if it's a game changer. Like, unless I find myself going, this took an okay game and made it awesome. Like, I've, I've heard people a say that. conversation. Yeah, I've heard people say that. Like, this game was okay, but then, oh my gosh, this thing came along and changed everything and made it fantastic. That, that I think, is worth it. I'm the first one to say that um, with King of Tokyo. I haven't bought yeah, it yet, yeah. but that's on my list. You want to know why? Because it adds the mutations. And that takes Kaiju Yahtzee and makes it important. Like, the the, the monster He's you talking pick, about the power-up expansion for King of Tokyo. Yes, I am. Yeah. It takes... It takes... What, you know, that piece of cardboard that was your monster used to not mean anything. And when with the addition of this expansion, suddenly that means something. Suddenly you have a favorite monster, not just because he's a giant mechanical gorilla, but because of the fact that that does something. Well, and I've actually heard a lot of people saying of King of New York that they miss that. And I'm sure they'll release that at some point. I'm sure they will. And you can actually cross-play, whatever. But, you know, that's how important that expansion is to that game. That people miss it when it's, yeah. Right. But there are a bunch of times where I have that argument where, unless it does that, unless there's that thing, and it's just more of the same, I find myself, even with games that I love, looking at it and go... I could I could get a whole other experience for the same cost. See, I think I feel differently because I come from a wargaming background. Well, yeah, you have to practically sell your soul to get well, your next army. Uh, sure, okay, besides that. But, like, you know, when, when you get your new book and a new unit comes out for your army, you're like, yeah, I want that unit. And yes, of course, there's always new. The new units always do something cool, but there's it's just a whole different mindset. These are games that you're committed to, and yes, are there board games that are our favorite board games? Absolutely, that we will play forever. Absolutely, but the level of commitment to those tends to be less than a minis game. However, games like you, we we brought them up. Dominion. There are people who play Dominion like people who play war games. Right. Like, there are people who take it to that level. They have it all. They know all the strategies. That is their thing. I was talking at lunch with a a buddy of mine, and he hasn't picked up Dominion in a long time. I told him, by the way, they announced that there's going to be a new expansion. He goes, when? I have to own it. (laughs) So I I, I get that. That's a thing. Right, and uh, I think people there are some people who play Carsicone that way. Yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, I think there's probably a dozen or twenty games that are that way that I just never even think about. But there's that group of guys out there, and that is their sport. That is their jam. They love that game, and they will play it forever. In fact, that's an interesting topic too. There are a lot of gaming groups that only play the one game. Right. Or like a small handful of games, two or three games. You know, this idea that there's the gaming group and everybody's constantly bringing new board games into the thing, that's relatively new because there's so much more access to games now. But in the past, you know, these were guys getting together to play the same games for an entire year because that's all they had. Right. And so in that case, yeah, are those expansions that completely change the thing? Worthwhile? Absolutely. You know, and I, I think about, like, man, how long have I been playing Battletech? There's, it's the exact same game. There have not been new rules for Battletech since, like, 1984 or something like that. And yet, they still continue to make new product. And we keep buying it. Keep buying it. <laughs> you know, um, and so I, I do think... There's this interesting dynamic, you know, where there's a relationship with the game. And let's be honest, more important, there's a relationship with the people you play the game with. Yeah. You know, you're part of a community. And it doesn't, you know, it might be a local community, or it might be, hey, we're 
at going to that convention this month, and you know what? There is the Dominion tournament, and you show up, and there are ten other people like you who just are masters at Dominion, and you know you guys share something that most of the rest of the world doesn't share, and so you feel that connectedness to each other through that game through that long-standing, faithful relationship with that game and that game's community. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I could even think to contradict or add to that. I mean, that, I, I think that, I mean, obviously community is our thing. I mean, people are probably getting sick of us talking about that, but there's a reason for that. That's our, our thing, that's our... Uh, that's what we vibe on. And and we don't actually point out this idea very often. Because we do, just like everybody else, every other show that does board games. We very rarely, in fact, we started off the show talking about it today. We try not to double up. We try not to talk about the same show unless, I mean, the same game on a different show, unless there's a real good reason for it. Maybe there was an expansion or... Or, like or it's Dixit, been a I, long time. <laughs> yeah, or Dixit, like I changed my mind. You know, I had a different experience with the game, whatever. Uh, but for the most part, we're just talking about the new stuff. And we don't mention that often, that maybe we do have that handful of games that we play all the time. And we've been playing it, and we will continue to play it forever. You know? Um... I know I have those games. And I'm always looking for new versions of those games. New opportunities to have that kind of game in my life. Uh, Because really, those are the ones that I love. I mean, I like all board games, but I definitely want games that, like, are, you know, 20 years from now, the box will be slightly rotted and falling apart. But I'll (laughs) still be playing the game, you know? I I think there's there's a lot to be said about that, that, that... Devotion to that that thing that that even sometimes an intangible thing that says this is something that something special is tied to this game something special is tied to these people yeah you know I think and I never got to play this game I never got to be part of this world but every time I see somebody or connect with somebody who was I can feel. That experience just like oozing out of them, that's Heroescape. Yeah. There's still the game hasn't been in print in ages, and there are years. still there are still Heroescape communities out there. Heck, the the you'd think that when they, they when Wizards came out and said, We're doing Magic the Gathering, the tactical board game, and it looked just like Heroescape, you'd think people would be happy. No, the cry came out. Why didn't you just make Heroescape? <laughs> <laughs> but the level of just love and memory that people have with that game, it's the same as, like, you know, the dad who used to always take his kid to the ball field and watch the sports ball and, you know, uh, or... Or whatever, uh, you know, who always went every like every summer. The family went to the lake and spent the summer at the lake, or I don't know. Uh, but that that connectedness, that almost intergenerational connectedness, um, and I think board games. Well, okay, so now video games have that experience. Okay, uh, I you know any parent out there who's ever sat down with their kid and shown them Super Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. And the kid looks at the game and goes, that looks so stupid. And then they start playing right. and realize, this is amazing? That's that experience. This idea that this thing that is precious to us, that is being carried on, that will always be there for us, and we can even pass that down to the next generation. So, so how do we want to, to transition here? You, you kind of said, you know, hey, this, this is you know something profound here, and we'll talk about it later. Well, I think we've we've reached later. Well, so I kind I kind of hope you want you just expand on that for I us. I think that there's this idea of two kinds of expansions. Okay, 
and they're both extremely valuable. The first kind of expansion is the more traditional and fits more with my history and that is the war game kind of expansion. The, the new unit, the new tiles, the new uh, the new uh, what do they call them in Smash Up? Faction. Faction, thank you. That gives you more options. You know what, as believers, we are constantly experiencing that. Every time we decide to attend another sermon, to maybe go to a new Sunday school class, or try out a new men's group or women's group, or uh, do a new study, or whatever, is it profoundly different? No. The truth is the truth. The Bible is the Bible. And we've been learning it for 2,000 years. And the guys who learned it 2,000 years ago are learning the same stuff that we're learning now. It's really not that different. And yet, it's incredibly valuable. This idea that every time we have a new experience with it, even though it's very similar to the old experience, it's still very valuable. But, then there's that other kind of expansion. That one where, all of a sudden, you see something so radically different. It is as if... Your the the whole thing has changed, and you know we tend to at least as Christians be really reticent of those kind of experiences, and that's okay. It's it's a good idea to go into those to view those experiences with a certain degree of doubt. However, by trying something different, you might find yourself having a radically transformed view of your faith. I'll give you some examples. I grew up an evangelical. Well, I didn't grow up. I became a believer in an evangelical church. Relatively conservative. Very not frou-frou. Okay? <laughs> like, hardcore, like, Presbyterian. We didn't laugh. Right. You know? <laughs> well, eventually, through my life, yada, 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 I end up just outside of San Francisco. And all of my Christian friends are living in the stratosphere. Alright? They're nutsos. But really true believers. You know? So they're the ones who are like, okay, let's go do a labyrinth. Or how about even just liturgy? Or let's do some meditation. Or whatever. And the straight-laced evangelical man goes, yeah, no. <laughs> However, if you're willing to embrace the experience, realize it's not outside of orthodoxy. It's just right. outside of your experience. Right. If you're willing to try the new experience, does that mean you're always going to want to play the game with the uh, knights and the cities? No. But it might provide you a new experience on your faith that changes the way you view your Savior. And that's worth doing. Well, I was literally talking about that. Uh, my wife, my wife and I were driving to this place, and it's not. It was in that that nice spot of distance where it's not just around the corner, but it wasn't too far either. So I said, you know what? I don't want to listen to music right now, and so I'm gonna just throw in this audio book that I've got, and I think you'd like it because we had both read it in the past, but it had been some time for both of us, and it was Francis Chan's The Forgotten God. And if you don't know that book, one, pick that book up because it's awesome. Uh, two, it's a book entirely about the fact that modern American church does a horrible job of understanding the Holy Spirit. We just do a crap, crap job. We kind of push him off to the side and forget that he's a member of the Trinity, that he's a he and not an it. And... It's really funny because I say this now and it seems so obvious. It seems so clear. Right. If if you'd have talked to 10 years ago me and said, by the way, you're going to just fall in love with doing crazy things in the pursuit of listening for the Spirit's guidance in your life. You're going to do crazy, nuts things. You're going to start a ministry focused on playing board games with people and you probably won't have a church job I'm just warning you if you had told me that 10 years ago I thought you were nuts 
because I had a very particular vision of ministry. I had a very particular understanding about how the word of God was to be shared and experienced. And it wasn't anything like this. And my wife, especially the fact that she comes from a much more traditional background than I did, uh, she has had just this huge change in her life, just the way she sees things and the way she hungers after God, because she had this, I, there's no other way to say it, she had this life-altering experience at a prayer meeting where people were just, an entire weekend was devoted to prayer and hungering after the Spirit of God. And it was, in her own words, it was really weird, and, and at first she was really freaking out because it was so outside of what she had experienced was outside of what she liked but it changed her life now in those same in the same vibe she still every once in a while says you know what i really love liturgy and i love stepping into what the the place that god spoke to me all those years ago so it's not like she said screw that other stuff yeah <laughs> it's not like she's she's completely shut that door I, I think that the more she goes into this, the more she she thrives in the place that she is right now, that will be that'll be less and less just because it's just changing God's changing the way he speaks to her. But at the same point, at no no way would she just completely throw that away. Right. Because I think there is a place and I'm I'm the first one. I in in full disclosure, I know we have a lot of folks, and we've had contributors too that come from a Catholic background, from a a high church liturgical background. I love these guys, and I love the fact that their voices are on this site. I will tell you what, liturgy eats at me, and it has nothing to do with liturgy. It has everything to do with my own past experiences right. and and the way I process. It's not just the past either. It's even just going completely in right now. My mind processes stuff differently than when I was younger. And so sitting me at liturgy is a painful experience in the church. But at the same point, I find myself reading the Book of Common Prayer. And the things that would drive me nuts in a service when I'm silent and by myself and looking for God... That stuff, it, it gets me. And really, it's the same concept. It's the old stuff. It's the stuff that's been a part of the church for years. And at first, it kind of, you know, I kind of bucked against it. But then I realized, wait, if I change this and make it a part of my life some other way, this could have a huge impact and become a game-changing kind of moment. And it's something that should be said. Now, I don't know about you, but in my church experience, there was, while it was never explicit, there was this kind of idea that we have it right. Everyone else else has it wrong. Everything else that came before was wrong. And it's just not so, folks. We, We have it partially right, and so does everybody else. Now, mm-hmm. uh, uh, let me rephrase. <laughs> Before there someone writes that, that email. Okay, there are things that are wrong. Um, and as you go back and you look at the various expressions of Christianity, you're going to find that. And um, we've done a really good job of destroying that which was wrong. Okay? Jesus was real. Actual person. Okay? Somebody tells you he wasn't. That's wrong. Um, but there is a huge wealth of, if you will, expansions to our faith. Now, the core set, still the same. Bible is the same. Jesus did come. He lived. He died. He rose again. That don't change. But there have been a whole lot of people who, because of their culture, their time in history, their economic status their intellectual status have understood that corset differently and they weren't wrong they were just different and you know we've uh, every once in a while we'll mention on this show the value of church history mm-hmm. to 
for everybody, every Christian. And uh, the book that to me is the ultimate book of church history is a book called Church History in Plain Language. And it's incredible. It's really thick, but an incredible <laughs> book. And go and check it out, and you will see how different people not only believed a little bit differently than we believed, but more importantly, practiced differently than we practice. And does that mean that you're going to want to be like a Celtic monk and, you know, go and travel and and do all kinds of crazy stuff? Probably not. But you might try some of their practices. And you might find that was weird and crazy and I don't ever want to do it again but it was kind of neat that I did or you might find like you were describing earlier wow this changed my life and I'm never going to be able to see things the same way again Uh, but only if you're willing to try something new and there's something to be said about breathing new life into an old experience sometimes just even using that older thing in a different way in a different position to I don't want to just repeat myself again, but I have to because I, I, it just, it does. It breathes new life into something that might have been stagnant. It, you know, to keep the game analogy going, overplayed. Right. And you just need that thing that even if it's just the one time, even if it just kicks you out of the habit just for one moment and reminds you the beauty and the awesomeness that you fell in love with the first time in what you've been doing. That, that simple kick can change everything. Now, I know that there are people listening. There's somebody out there who's like, what happened? Luke and Mike, they were these great guys from DTS, and now they've gone all woo-woo. <laughs> Let me remind you of something I mentioned earlier. There's actual scientific study behind this idea. Yep. That if we simply look at the same thing differently, our brains will fire as if new. You know, there's a there's a great new song out. I forget who sings it. Maybe it's Casting Crowns or Cutlass or somebody. But th- this the, the whole point of the song is, uh, do you remember when you were on fire? That Those first moments of your faith. Well, you can get those back. And one of the ways you can do that is by allowing yourself to see it from a different perspective. And you know what? I think anybody who's listening to this show is probably willing to do that. Because anybody who's listening to this show is a little bit on the weird, and we love you for that. Absolutely. We're weird, too, and it's all good. Um, You know, uh, speaking of the weirdos who are on this show, a couple episodes from now, we're going to get a whole bunch of them together and have some fun. I'm super excited. We've already recorded uh, one, and I've literally started sitting down with people and starting getting scheduling together and making recordings happen. And we still want to hear from you guys, too. Absolutely. We, I, I will say right now that as of, as of right now, we have yet to, to get a single email. Yet to receive a single MP3. And we are running out of time. This is episode 97. Do the math. Yeah. Right there. Just three more. <laughs> and not only that, I will throw out the fact that uh, we need to edit this. It's not just you can throw it out like the Sunday before we hit 100. Right. I mean, we'd still appreciate the heck out of it. Don't get me wrong. But it won't get in the show. But we we want you guys to have... I just got done saying that I love our contributors and I love the fact that we have uh, such a huge ecumenical group in the tavern and that contact us. We have so many voices from so many uh, denominations and so many faith backgrounds. And all of us are trying to do this Christian thing right. And I think that, as Luke touched on, I don't think we're doing it right unless we're all doing it together, that all our voices come together in this. Because I think each one of us has that little piece of a thing. And it's only when we put all these pieces together that we have more of a full picture. We're never going to get the full picture because God being, you know, God, there's always going to be that mystery, always going to be that stuff that we don't know. But when all of these voices start coming together, we start seeing more and more of the whole. And I love that. And I want that to happen. And I want that to be part of episode 100. So please send in either emails or, or some kind of voice recording, preferably an MP3 format, just because that's what we edit the show in to contact at 
inroadsministries.com because I want you guys in this show. I want your voices. I, I love our guests. I'm super excited that they're going to be there. But, man, I want you guys to have your voice in this because you're huge. You're a huge part of what we do and why we do it. And if you're listening and you haven't had a chance to become more of a part of what we do, you can do that by going to inroadsministries.com. Everything is there. We've got articles. We've got links to all of the stuff that we do to our Facebook page called The Tavern. Uh, and you will find out all the kinds of things that you want to know about this ministry, about the show, uh, and about how you can use this thing that you love doing, board games, to reach out to people, to do some evangelism, but also to connect with the people that you're already brothers and sisters with and uh, build deeper relationships. And we're, we're, we're expanding that too, because it, it maybe, maybe there's something that, that you have out there that you think is amazing and you want to see more of, and you want to be a part of that. Uh, in the, in the near future, both of these things will be implemented by the time this episode comes out. People were crying out for something specifically tied to ministry. We have stuff about general life and Christian life and, and gaming and thematic and how to start game groups and stuff, but people wanted stuff specifically towards churches. So I'm creating a, a, a set of articles called The Abbey, which will be specifically targeted towards ministry and active church ministry and how that's different than just the regular stuff. And I promised it when we when I did the bonus content uh, with Peter, I said that I'm going to hit our YouTube channel with Darkest Dungeons so you can hear me try extra hard to not cuss at my screen <laughs> when I'm playing this game. Um, I will try to keep it as our, our standard of fam- family friendly. Uh, I make no promises, but I will try. And uh, that stuff all came about because either I threw something out in the tavern and people responded or people contacted us. So if you if you think that there's something that, that you can really add to this, let us know. Because we always want to be open to what you guys are, are putting out there as well. So guys, as always, we thank you for listening and remind you that God is the Game Master. And no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.